0: All right. Would you take the word of God this evening and turn with me to the book of Psalms, and we're going to be looking at the 18th Psalm, Psalm 18. It is quite a lengthy psalm. There are 50 uh, verses, and uh, I'm going to do uh, it a non-typical way tonight. I usually um, uh, we begin by reading a text and I preach the text and so forth, but. Uh, what I'd like to spend some time doing t- tonight before we read it is to put forth the context of this psalm, and we're going to find that the context of this psalm is quite uh, compelling. Actu- actually, in the life of David, this psalm has been repeated in his life where he has sung this song a number of times, and we fi- we'll find that in um, the book of Second uh, Samuel, and then what we're going to do is at the conclusion of the message, we're going to read the psalm together. Uh, But as we uh, begin here, I'd like to point out here as we begin here in just a moment that uh, if you have in your Bibles, uh, not all Bibles do, but some of them have a brief context of introduction sometimes, not all Bible do, but sometimes they do. And here's the introduction that um, a lot of Bibles have, something like this. This is to the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, Now I want to pause here because uh, obviously we often ask ourselves the question. I don't know if you ask yourself, but when you think about uh, who, how do we know that this song is attributed to David? Uh, how can this context be put there? Well, hold your place here and turn with me to Second Samuel and chapter uh, 22. Turn with me to Second Samuel chapter 22. Uh, there is a clear evidence here that this psalm was repeated in the life of David, and we have it here in Psalm 18, but notice in Second Samuel uh, chapter 22. Now, this is um, near the end of uh, David's reign. He, in chapter 21, he had moved the body of Saul and Jonathan, uh, buried them in a different location. And in chapter 22, here's what he says in verse one, and David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all of his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. So that's the same introduction we have. We just read that in Psalm 18. Psalm 18. Now understand here when we come to 2nd Samuel chapter 22 he says which the Lord had delivered him so David here is repeating this song that he sung when God delivered him from his enemies and from Saul so that happened uh, at the right at the beginning at the end obviously of chapter of 1st Samuel at the beginning of 2nd Samuel And so here we have some context where we know that this song, and if you read through 2 Samuel chapter 22, you're going to find that this is the record of this song. But I would like to point you out to one distinction. Uh, If you read here, if you're still in 2 Samuel 22, the Bible says in verse 2, And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield and my, and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my savior. Thou savest me from violence. And he goes on and it goes to the end of the chapter, but go back with me to Psalm 18. In Psalm 18 here, we have the actual Psalm that David is quoting in Second Samuel chapter 22, but there's something more that we find. In Psalm 18, notice verse 1. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. Now, if you notice here, what we find in Psalm 18 here is... Uh, an added part that we don't have in Second Samuel chapter twenty-two, and that is, "I will love thee, O Lord." Now we come to the psalm, and we have to think of this uh, more broadly. If we see here Psalm eighteen, we have the uh, the first expression of the psalmist, "I will love thee, O Lord, my strength." And he's going to in verse two, he expresses. Uh, if you would, it's uh, verse two is a summary of the whole entire psalm. Uh, he's going to document throughout this entire psalm what God has done for him, how God has strengthened him and God, how God has brought him to the place where he has experienced deliverance from God. In, uh, if you notice in the last two verses of the psalm, verse 49 and 50, therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen and sing praises unto thy name. Great deliverance giveth he to his king, and showeth mercy to his anointed, to David, and to his seed forevermore. And so here we have the conclusion, as we know that this psalm specifically concerns the life of David. So this is a song of testimony. And throughout the life of David, we find that this psalm has been repeated. We know at least twice. Perhaps he wrote it when God delivered him from all of his enemies and from Saul, when he was about to become the king. He wrote this psalm, but then later he would carry this psalm uh, towards the la- to, towards the latter end of his reign, and he would sing this song again. And so this is his life testimony, and we can come to the psalm, and there's wonderful truths about what David has learned, what he has learned about himself and what he has learned about his God. And uh, I, I like to think about how we look at life. And the only thing that David can say as a summary to begin this song is, I will love thee, O Lord. The expression that comes out of a life of, testimony of what God has done for him and how God has seen him through difficulty is the expression of those words I will love thee O Lord. And I think what we can come to the conclusion here is that David when he became king David when he is at the latter end of his reign he declares I will love thee O Lord and I think that we would all agree that probably this expression as he begins this testimony When he says, I love thee, it's because he has seen God be faithful to him. He has seen God be his rock. He has seen God be his refuge. And all he can say is, I will love thee, O Lord. And what we learn from this psalm is as life goes, then our love for the Lord should be stronger than it was at the beginning. You know, sometimes we speak of um, the the thrill of when somebody comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And maybe you think back in your life when you came to know the Lord, and maybe there was some excitement, or maybe you began to share with your family and your friends that you were saved. And often we say, well, what happened to us? Uh, the uh, initial excitement of being saved and being born again. And, and uh, a- as we move on in life, I hope that We don't look at our best days at the days that we love God most when we first were saved. As life goes, based upon the testimony of David, we should all get to the place where we love the Lord more today than we did the day we got saved. Why? Because throughout this life, God is not only desiring to save us, but he also wants to sustain us and prove himself in our lives, and is true in the life of David. Now, I know that David, if you think about the life of David, what I'd like to do is just put the context, and then we'll end by reading this psalm together. But we know that David came to the throne, according to Second Samuel chapter five and verse four, when he was 30 years of age. And the Bible says that's when he began to reign. Now, although his initial reign was not over all of Israel, it was over Hebron, it was about two, three years later that he began to reign over all Israel, but he was 30 years of age. And so here we ask ourselves, all right, how long has, uh, if that's the moment that uh, David penned those words, around that time when God delivered him from the enemies and from Saul, and he became finally king, how long has it been in the life of David That he had the enemies chasing him, Saul and uh, the Philistines and the Amalekites, as we'll uh, see in just a moment. It was back in 1 Samuel chapter 16, remember, 1 Samuel chapter 16, that David was anointed to be the next king. It tells us that David was the youngest of the brothers. Uh, He had not been actually considered when Samuel went to, to the house of Jesse to anoint the next king. Uh, David had not even been summoned to be anointed. He had been completely overlooked. He had been ignored. And his father said, well, he's the youngest. That's what we learn about David. When David came before King Saul, then in 1 Samuel chapter 17, Uh, when he hears uh, the words of Goliath, and he goes to the king, and he says to the king, I'll go fight Goliath, and just like God delivered me from uh, the the mouth of the lion, the mouth of the bear, God will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistines. And you remember what uh, uh, Saul observed about David? He said to David, for thou art but a youth. So we know already he'd have to be under 21 years of age. But as we study here, it is believed that he was about, around about, uh, there's estimate, but there's no de- de definite age that is given when he was anointed. But we could say he was anywhere between 15 and 20 years of age. He was youth. He had not tried. Remember Saul's armor? He was a young man. And it is believed that he was, let's say, let, let's just say, about around 50 years of age. We don't exactly know. Uh, That would mean that if David came to the throne and became king when he was 30 years of age, understand that he went through a period of 10 to 15 years, from the time he was anointed to the time that he finally became king. And I want you to notice that David didn't declare, I will love thee, O Lord, when he was anointed. Uh, It's not recorded for us. But what we do know is when he did become king after the 10 to 15 years of seeing God's faithfulness, that's when he says, I will love thee, O Lord, because of your faithfulness. Remember, David, when he writes Psalm 18, had been waiting for a long time, for a long time. He had gone through, we could say, ups and downs. Uh, the up, we come to chapter sixteen. He is anointed from being the king in chapter seventeen. I mean, he slays the Goliath. Uh, he uh, goes back and he hears the people chanting after David that David has killed his ten thousands, and and everybody's rejoicing. Can you imagine the the accolades? And but when he said, "I will love thee, O Lord," it's not then. It's only after all of those years. And this record of seeing God again and again be faithful. Uh, By the way, uh, we might say that the slaying of Goliath was the mountaintop for David, but it was downhill from there for the next 10 to 15 years. Saul, the king, would become jealous. David would find himself running for his life. Uh, Saul uh, became his father-in-law and tried to trick him. Uh, there was uh, those who were the counselors of Saul were accusing David that David was trying to kill Saul. Uh, David not only faced the the enemies uh, of uh, of the palace and of King Saul, but he also faced the other enemies. There was the Philistines and and the Amalekites. The point is uh, to get to this place, David had to wait a long time. We also learn from this ten to fifteen year period his enemies were numerous from Saul to the Philistines to the Amalekites, also dealing with false accusations. We know the heart of David. Uh, uh, By the way, his heart comes through twice when uh, he had the opportunity to take the life of Saul and he said, I'm not going to touch God's anointed. On two occasions, even those who were with him says, hey, God has delivered him into your hands. Look at what God has done for you And he did not take that opportunity to kill the king. By the way, that would have meant that he would have become king. When it came to succeeding the throne, he did not take matters into his own hands, even though he had the opportunity. When David comes to the throne, he knows, he knows that it's all been God's doing. He can't say, well, I killed the king. Well, I uh, vanquished mine enemies. He, he can't say that. He has to acknowledge when he gets to the, this point as he looks back and he says, God, I love you. And I'm going to love you because look at all that you've done for me throughout all those years when I was forsaken of the, forsaken of the king. Forsaken of my friends, forsaking of those who were counselors to the king. And uh, uh, when, when I was facing the enemies from outside of Israel, God was faithful at every point. I want you to notice as we, in Psalm 18, there are uh, uh, three times when David says, I will. And that's how he begins the Psalm. If you notice verse 1, he says, I will love thee, O Lord. My strength. In other words, he begins by saying, "Lord." He's not saying, "Lord, I love you because you've made me so talented." He says, "I've loved you because I've been desperate, and you've showed me your strength." I've I'm going to love you because when I was helpless, you were my help. You were my strength. He says, "The Lord." Notice. Is my rock. Notice uh, there are some Psalms where he says, Lord, would you be my rock? Here he says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength. And here it is, in whom, notice, I will trust. Verse one, I will love thee, O Lord. Verse two, I will trust thee, O Lord. He is going to trust the Lord. Notice, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. And notice verse 3, I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from an enemies. Notice those three words, uh, those three expressions, I will love thee, I will trust thee, and I will call upon thee. That's his declaration. That's a summary of his life. By the way, uh, these declarations are, here is what I'm going to do from this day forward. I'm going to love thee from this day forward more than I ever have before. I'm going to trust you from this day forward more than I've trusted you before. I'm going to call on you more than I've ever had before. And then he goes back and considers his life. If you notice, it's then in verse 6 where he says, in my distress, I called upon thee. Past tense. See, the reason why he says, I'm going to move forward now, I'm going, to, I'm going to call upon thee, is because I've done this in the past. I called on thee in my distress, and in his distress, he found some help. We think about those three expressions, I will love thee, I will trust thee, and I will call on thee. Those, I would say, are three of the basic, ought to be three of the basic tenets of Christian living. That we would love the Lord more, that we would trust the Lord more, and that we would call on the Lord. I will love thee, I will trust thee, I will call on thee. If you notice in verse 2, he mentions all that God is to him. And uh, we keep in mind, if if you've been... uh, Um, A Bible soon for any amount of time, you you know a little bit about David and his life and and the ups and the downs and all the things that David faced uh, throughout his life between the time he was anointed to the time that he became the king. And here he gives forth this declaration, notice, not about himself. I'm reminded here of the the, the scene even with, you remember when Solomon became king, and you remember the, the first expressions that came out of Solomon's mouth was, God, I am a child. I I cannot go in and go out. In other words, he saw himself as completely helpless and hopeless without God. And here David, now he gets to the throne, and you might think that this is the time when he buttons his suit up, and he says, hey, look at what I've done. (laughs) Look at what I've done throughout those little years to get to this place. Look at how strong I've been. That's not what he says. He brings all the credit to God, and he says, notice the Lord is my rock. The word rock here is, uh, the idea is, uh, uh, we could say a, a, a big uh, a mass, or boulder, but the idea is it's a place that is lifted up. It's a place where you come up to. It is a place of safety. For example, in Psalm 61, two, the psalmist says, from the end of the earth, will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That's the key. You see, this rock, when we think about it, the the David knows here that God, when I'm overwhelmed, when I'm distressed, when I'm afflicted, I want you to lead me to the rock, and here's what the rock is. When he says the Lord is my rock, the rock is that is higher than I. God, I want you to bring me up above my circumstances. And, and what I mean by that is, uh, if you notice for that 10 to 15 year period, God didn't in a moment get rid of all of his enemies. That's not how it happened. He, he ran for his life for most of that time. No matter how how many times David had prayed, God, deliver me, deliver me. Uh, It could have been, uh, well, would you wipe the enemy out? But God delivered him, but maybe not in the way that he thought he should be delivered all along the way. Because Saul was still there. The Philistines were still there. The Amalekites were still there. But what David is saying is, the Lord has been my rock. Uh, God has been a, a rock that is higher than I. He has brought me above my circumstances. He has put me on a high place. There's two ways to live. We can live and be overwhelmed by our circumstances and stay there and be distressed and want God to change the circumstances. And that's not what God is interested in doing. God is interesting in bringing us up to the rock that is higher than us. You see, the wonderful thing about God is not that he necessarily uh, wipes away the difficulties of our lives, but that he goes with us through the difficulties of life. If we're not careful, we might be more interested in God making our road plain instead of seeking communion in the storm. You see, that's human nature. We want the problem to go away, and we come to God instead of say, God, would you bring me up to the rock that is higher than I? We say, God, uh, you know, I'll serve you when you wipe all my enemies out. Th- then I'll spend time with you. Then I'll go up to the rock. No, no, no. He is a rock in distress. He says, the Lord is my rock. He says, the Lord is my fortress. Uh, we think of a fortress, it, it describes an enclosure that keeps someone safe. Now, it's interesting that David would say that because he had no home. But yet he says, although I had no home, although I ran for my life, the best thing I could find, the safest place I could find was a cave. But I find that time and time again, God has been my fortress. Uh, and, And by the way, the idea is I have felt safe in unsafe circumstances. I have felt safe in unsafe circumstances. He says, the Lord is my deliverer, whether it was the afflictions, whether it was his enemies. By the way, when he says the Lord was my deliverer, it's in more ways than one. It's not just that God delivered him from Saul and from the Amalekites and from the Philistines. No, God delivered him even from temptation. You remember when he was about to Uh, uh, Well, he was encouraged by his fellow soldiers to kill Saul. Well, you remember he just cut a little piece off of his garment, but then his heart smote him. He was convicted that he had even done that. Do you not think that in that moment he was tempted? Well, who gave him the victory over that? The Lord. The Lord did. The Lord is the deliverer, yes, over affliction, yes, over temptation, yes, over his enemy. You see, God is our deliverer in every way. Then he says in a precious way, he says, my God, my God. You know, it would do us good. It would do us very good uh, that we would not say, well, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, but say our Lord, my Lord, my God. Because he is. In other words, we learn here in David's life that all throughout that 10 to 15 year period, uh, what, uh, what David has found is that God is not just, yes, the God of heaven, the creator of the universe, but that he is the God who is intimately interested in the life of David personally. Do you believe that today? That God is interested in your life personally? Oh yes, the life of the church, but your life, your life. He says, the Lord is my strength. The word strength here is equated, it was years that, that, that uh, uh, in the military, they would use it as uh, often they would bank themselves against a cliff or a large boulder to hide uh, uh, behind and to, ha- to find safety. And he says that God is like this cliff or this boulder that I've hided behind. And when the enemy comes, then God uh, is that strength that I don't have. He says, the Lord is my buckler. The buckler is like a protective shield. You know, we think about the fortress. That's a place where you're enclosed, but when we think about a buckler, that a buckler is when the soldier goes out to battle. He's not in the fortress. He steps outside the fortress, and he goes to fight. And he says, when I was in the thick of the battle, I found that God was my buckler. He was my shield. When I was in the thick of it, in the thick of the battle, God took care of me in the most dangerous of times. He says, the Lord is the horn of my salvation. Now, certainly there's a messianic reference here because in Luke 1, 69, when Jesus the Messiah was coming, he says, and he hath raised up a horn, God has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, when Messiah finally comes, he says, God has raised up in Christ a horn of our salvation. The Lord is also my high tower. I like what Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. The high tower. If you notice here, let me give you a few examples before we read this whole psalm. And, uh, notice in verse 14. And what you notice here, the language that, uh, that David uses, and this is there's imagery, it's it's Hebrew poetry. And I want to show you here how he speaks of his life, and we know this is that period between the time he was anointed to where the time he finally became king and and God defeated the enemy and Saul, as we see here uh, in second uh, in second Samuel chapter twenty two. But notice verse fourteen. He says, "Yea, he God sent out his arrows and scattered them, and he shot out lightnings and discomfited them." And, and I, I was looking back at the record, and I'm pretty sure that there was no physical arrows that came out of heaven. Correct? I don't remember any uh, scene where lightning came down from heaven and struck David's enemies. So here he is giving an image or a picture. Notice in verse 16 and 17. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from them that hated me, for they were too strong for me. So what is he saying here? Again, another picture. He drew me out of many waters. And the idea here is you're in the tempest. The tempest is raging. There's nothing you can do but let the ship drive and God draws you out of that moment where you have no control, where you can't, you're at, you're at wit's end and there's nothing you can do. I want to bring you back to 1 Samuel chapter 24, if you turn there with me. I want to show you one example to what uh, David might be referring to uh, when he speaks of God in that way. In 1 Samuel chapter 24, if you notice with me, In chapter 24, Saul, you remember, in, he goes to en he was chasing David. Um, we know that it's the scene that's, I believe that's the, yes, I believe that's the second time that David spares Saul's life. But you remember right before this scene, something had happened. Before he went to en and Saul had heard that he went to en and she chased him. Go back to chapter 23 and notice chapter 23, verse 25. First Samuel twenty three, twenty five. Saul also and his men went to seek him, and they told David, wherefore he came down into a rock, and abode in the wilderness of Maon. And when Saul heard that, he pursued after David in the wilderness of Maon, and Saul went on this side of the mountain, and David and his men on that side of the mountain. And David made haste to get away for fear of Saul, for Saul and his men compassed David and his men round about to take them. It's over. It's over. He's encompassed. He is surrounded. There's nowhere he, he can go. He is in the tempest. He has no control over the circumstances. It's over. All of those years of running away have now come to an end. Why has God brought us here? And here's what what the Bible says, verse 27. But, but, (laughs) I like those buts in the Bible. You know what that means? Here, let me paraphrase. God intervened. That's what happened. But there came a messenger unto Saul, saying, Haste thee, hurry up, Saul, and come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. Wherefore Saul returned from pursuing after David and went against the Philistines thereof. They called that place Salah Hama Lekoth. And David went up from thence and dwelt in strongholds in Engedi. And so here we find here, I, I think that David perhaps is referring to this moment when he knew that he was encircled. He was encompassed. There was nowhere to go. He couldn't change the situation, but God stepped in. God stepped in and he drew him out of many waters. He delivered me from the strong enemy and from them that hated me for they were too strong for me. Do you see in that moment God uh, brought him to this place and we might before we know the end of the story we might be there on that side of the mountain with David and we might see the soldiers coming around David and we might think, well, God you've you've delivered us again and again and again. But here we are, and here they are. And in just that moment, God intervened. Oh, it's not luck. It's not chance. It's God showing David. What? Showing David what? That he didn't do it himself that he wasn't strong enough, that he wasn't witty enough to get away from Saul, that this doing had to be the intervention of God. No wonder David says, I will love thee, O Lord. I've seen you again and again and again be faithful. I will love thee. I will trust thee. I will call on thee. But remember, he said, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. I, 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 I can't help but think that in that moment, and I think, to my recollection, that's the closest moment where David was surrounded and there's nowhere for him to go. And he says, in my distress, I called on thee. In my distress, I called on thee and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple and my cry came before him even into his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. Now again, there's no record in that that he's talking about that physically happening. That deliverance for David did not happen with a little earthquake that made Saul run off. To David, the earth shook by just a messenger coming to to, to, Saul. Saul. And then, go, that's God shaking. Do you see how David equates the hand of God in little things? And he says, wow, it shows the mighty power of God, just as if the, just as if the earth shook because God intervened. And by the way, when God intervenes in our life, we better see it that way, yeah. that God is shaking, that God is in our distress. He is coming to our aid He is being our help. What I'd like to do here is read this psalm. It's 50 verses, but would you follow along as I read? Remember, most likely he penned those words around the time when he became king, when God delivered him from his enemies and from Saul. And at the end of his life, in 2 Samuel chapter 22, he's going to repeat this very psalm. This is his testimony. This is his life. And as we read this tonight, I want to ask, now this is personal to David. This is personal to his life. And I want to ask you, do you have a personal testimony where you look back in your life and whatever you look back at makes you love God more? And perhaps, by the way, perhaps, could it be that maybe because we, if we don't love God more than we did before is because we haven't seen his hand, although he, it has been there? You know, I don't know whether David ever heard that a messenger came. That's what the Bible tells us. The messenger came to Saul. We don't know that David knew that. David was not the one who sent the messenger. But yet, David may not have known that detail, but he does know the result. See, we don't know everything in our lives that happens. But we should do our best to see the hand of God. Notice with me, Psalm 18. And put yourself in David's shoes in this moment, 10 to 15 years. You were anointed as king maybe around the age of 15 years of age. And for the last 10 to 15 years, you've been running for your life. Exhausted, tired, and you finally get to this point. And can you imagine the the temptation to be prideful in that moment? And here's what David says in this moment. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. And my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from an enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me. And the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even into his ears. Then The earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils, and fire out of his mouth devoured, coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down, and darkness was under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub and did fly, yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind he made darkness his secret place. His pavilion round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. At the brightness that was before him and thick clouds passed, hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the highest gave his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. Yea, he sent out his arrows and scattered them. And he shot out lightnings and discomfited them. Then the channels of waters were seen. And the foundations of the world were discovered at thy rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of thy nostrils. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from them which hated me, for they were too strong for me. They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands hath he recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me, and I did not put away his statutes from me. I was also upright before him, and I kept myself from mine iniquity. Therefore hath the Lord recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his eyesight. With the merciful thou wilt show thyself merciful. With an upright man thou wilt show thyself upright with the pure that will show thyself pure, and with the froward that will show thyself froward. For thou wilt save the afflicted people, but will bring down high looks. For thou wilt light my candle, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in Him. For who is God save the Lord? Or who is a rock save our God? It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hind's feet and setteth me upon my high places. He teacheth my hands to war, so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand hath holden me up, and thy gentleness hath made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me, that my feet did not slip. I have pursued mine enemies and overtaken them, neither did I Turn again till they were consumed. I have wounded them that they were not able to rise. They are fallen under my feet. For thou hast girded me with strength unto the battle. Thou hast subdued under me those that rose up against me. Thou hast also given me the necks of mine enemies, that I might destroy them that hate me. They cried, but there was none to save them, even unto the Lord, but he answered them not. Then did I beat them small as the dust before the wind. I did cast them out as the dirt in the streets. Thou hast delivered me from the strivings of the people, and thou hast made me the head of the heathen. A people whom I have not known shall serve serve me. As soon as they hear of me, they shall obey me. The strangers shall submit themselves unto me. The strangers shall fade away and be afraid out of their Close places, the Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. It is God that avengeth me, and subdueth the people under me. He delivereth me from mine enemies, yea, thou liftest me up above those that rise up against me. Thou hast delivered me from the violent man, therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. Great deliverance giveth he to his king, and showeth mercy to his anointed, to David, and to his seed forevermore. So David says, I will love thee, I will trust thee, and I will call on thee. Why? Because of all that God has done. In my infirmity, in my helplessness, even when he speaks of vanquishing his enemies, he says that has only been done in the strength of the Lord. You see, if we get to the place in our lives as Christians where we look back and and we say, wow, look at what I've done and look at what I've become. And you haven't seen God. You haven't seen how he's worked in your life. So we have to take our eyes off of ourselves. And let me ask you this question. Do you love the Lord more now than than you did the day you were saved? Have you seen him? Have you looked for him? Have you thanked him? May the Lord help us.